Hello, baby doll, and welcome back to the Brennan Spears Show. Better weeks have only been had by Reagan and Genghis Khan, and I am joining you today on St. Patrick's Day, the year of our Lord, 2021. Um, Amateur St. Patrick's Day always falls the Saturday before professional St. Patrick's Day in Chicago. And I had a great time on Saturday. I'm having a great time today. Um, St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day is the one day of the year that I believe very deeply upon having a shower beer in the morning. Shower beer, oh shower beer, thy joys you bring amazing. Shower beers, dear shower beers, please lend me your sweet nectar. Refreshing no matter where you are, I'm nude and just a little tipsy. Shower beers, oh shower beers, thy joys you bring. Amazing. Um, St. Patrick's Day on Saturday is designed for amateurs and tourists in order to keep them from partaking on the proper celebration of the snakes being driven out of Ireland, which is Catholic code for genocide of the Druid religion. But no matter. There are two St. Patrick's Days in Chicago. The one celebrated the Saturday before and one on the proper day. One is celebrated by people who do not take the day seriously enough to call off work and the other by those serious enough to disappear from the office around 11 a.m. on a Wednesday or do not show up for work at all. The second group is known as the patties, the potato heads, the leprechauns, the turf cutters, carrot tops, and fire crotches. And I refer to this as professional St. Patrick's Day because of these people's long lines, long pedigrees of alcoholism. Both St. Patrick's Days are fun, but one is not for the faint of heart. And only one of them teaches what it you it's, teaches you what it's like to be a drunk. Okay. Um, we just got done with the full with the spring of deception. In Chicago, Saturday, it was beautiful. The weather was fantastic. And after being locked inside all winter, I think people are desperate to be social beings once again. I took my camera for a walk the other day. And for the first time in a long time, I saw that the daycare chain gangs are being allowed into the exercise yard again. And they all have their masks on because they need to be taught not to spit on other children. And for some reason, there are two of these guards for every four children in these groups. It makes no sense to me. How hard is it to watch a five-year-old? I bet I could watch five five-year-olds without a whole lot of trouble in a public park. Um, but it's funny to watch them all hold on to that rope. And there, that's yeah, daycare chain gangs. That's what they are. 
And it's ridiculous because some of these kids you can tell are smarter than the people who have to watch them already. So you'll watch out like, you know, a five-year-old say like, hey, let's move the show along, lady. You're wasting our time for no reason. And then she just flips out on the kid because it's not her kid. And yeah, something very creepy about that scene right now. Um... Yeah, and my main concern is that we're going to end up making some real murder or some real murderers and weirdos and psychopaths taking everything this seriously. Um, there's a chance that I have more fun stereotyping people than I should. I love judging people without giving them a chance to defend themselves. Because after taking it really seriously for a few years, you start to get really good at it. Like, I'm at the point now where I can walk by a guy talking to himself on the street and I can with the 95 degree point of accuracy tell you whether he's on PCP or I don't know methamphetamines I I I'm that good at it now it's it really has advanced exponentially so I'm at an advanced level of stereotyping people now so, when I run into a person claiming that the only acceptable future of humanity revolves around a class of people receiving a universal basic income, I know that that person already hasn't played that idea through in their head. Universal basic income is a fancy name for communism. That's all. All it is is code for most citizens of the state becoming slaves of the state. That's how it has to be rebranded. It, it's that serious of a deal. Like slaves do not work hard because they are not rewarded for it. And then the society crumbles. Like this is much more serious than just socialism. Like hard times are coming. But it's a strategy of an idiotic group to seize people's assets while at the same time eliminating them from being able to compete in the marketplace. It's dangerous. But all this is the price of progress, people say. And I ask, progressing towards what? Not all progress is good. And people say that we can't stop it from happening. But honestly, I think that if we're going to be able to look future, future generations in the eye, we can't allow it to happen. But also, I can't believe how willing people have just been to roll over and show their bellies at every step of the game. It blows my mind. Don't you want to have one piece of something that's yours? And people just aren't allowed to take it away? I guess not. I guess most people aren't that way. Stereotypes are real. People who say, I identify as a woman of fill in with additional nonsense here, and I don't think you can say that. That is also code for I identify as a person trained to throw idiots off my trail of bullshit.
by pretending to be offended so that I don't have to defend my ideas based on their merit. I stereotype as a person playing power games with pretty harsh long-term consequences if you aren't allowed to call my ideas potato-headed. The problem with a universal basic income is the same problem with receiving a paycheck from one person. If you piss that person off, even if it's by accident, you lose your entire income. Societies that are not allowed to innovate are societies on their deathbeds. But it's amazing the degree of confidence that a bachelor's degree can give someone. And it's not their fault. They get brainwashed into thinking that everything they've been taught is correct. I, I, I'm not that confident to know that I've made the right choices of teachers. Or to know that I picked the right place to live. Or to know that what I'm doing with my life is the right thing. Like... There's always other schools of thought, and when you're discouraged from hearing the other side, things go sideways quickly. Admitting you might not know it all, I guess it's useful to a point. I guess there's also a point where that becomes dangerous. Um, Governor Cuomo can't get himself out of the news. They're going to probe whether or not he was asking women how their day was, but they aren't going to ask him if he should be liable for killing all those people forced into nursing homes. Say you want about that guinea, but he's a smart one. Harassment does not end with him in prison. It ends with him writing a check. Maybe it ends with him getting recalled, but it doesn't end with him getting sent upstate. That's how these people make deals. The people who want him out of office say they have the dirt on him, and he negotiated down to something that will certainly cost him re-election, but allow him to keep his freedom. And again, it's not about justice. This is all about power. This is probably the worst episode I've ever done, huh? Joe Biden's brain has been made into a smoothie. And poured back into his skull. Yesterday, he forgot the name of the Pentagon. You know the thing that he draws on the floor and sacrifices baby goats inside of to honor the Dark Lord? I know that's not true, because he calls it a pentagram instead of a pentagon. But the point is that he should be able to remember the name of a building responsible for sacrificing women and children in Syria in the name of Beelzebub. That's going awfully hard in the paint there, Brennan. It's pretty funny, though. I am not a dummy. I understand that if you want to have the number one economy in the world, you're going to have to be willing to break a few Iraqi-shaped eggs. But how much oil do we really need is my question. I know the answer is all of it, so you can control the price. But it's starting to seem... Like, we might be the bad guys. After bombing Syria again. But I, I am frustrated by this Biden campaign. Um, 
how is this the best guy they could find? I don't understand. The highlight tapes of him forgetting what he is talking about in the middle of saying something would be funny if he wasn't the guy who had the launch codes. I don't think I would drive. I wouldn't trust him to drive down to the grocery store for me. Because I'm afraid I would be liable for sending him. I feel like someone would tell me, you knew better. You knew better. Look at him. You think he can do that? We, we all know that he's not capable of that. So why would you ask him to? Driving to get dro- groceries. Are you out of your mind? You crazy person? That little girl died because you sent him to the grocery store. How do you feel now? Save yourself a little time. So both houses of Congress are trying to make it harder for him to use the bomb, the nukes. And I wonder what they know that we don't know. Um, Meghan Markle still hanging around in the news. The thing about the thing that's just so convenient about them all being racist is that no one's talking about Andrew. Prince Andrew being a pedophile. And I know that technically it's ebophilia. That's, I don't know, 14, I think, is a cutoff for that disgusting thing. But the problem is that everyone knows that Jeffrey Epstein videotaped a member of the royal family having sex with someone who was underage and then blackmailed him. Being a maybe racist is much better than being a for sure sex criminal. But MI6 did their jobs again, and no one is talking about how they let a member of their royal family get caught up in a honeypot. So good for them. This is a spicy episode. Spicy. Um, <laughs> I knew that when I was writing this show, and... I, I, I really tried to find a Mr. Potato Head like thing this week, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it two weeks in a row. Like, there's all this bullshit being. Here it goes, right by your face, right by your face, right by your face. And then every once in a while, I just gotta, I just gotta touch it, you know, just, just give a little poke. My problem is that if I don't call bullshit, no one else will. There used to be a few guys out there who would do it. Now they're all gone. I don't know. Is it smart to step in their shoes? Probably not. They're probably pretty dumb. But it's just, it's right here. And you just gotta... The truth isn't that hard. I don't know. What happens because Meghan Markle didn't like being a part of the do-nothing British class of government? Nothing. Her life isn't different. Our lives aren't different. The rest of the royals' lives probably didn't change that much. They will continue doing what they've always done, except that they won't talk about Megan in public. Until next time, they need to switch the conversation away. 
and then they bring her back into the fold. What happens when Prince Andrew is proven to be a pedophile? Also nothing. Also, none of our lives are different. Even Prince Andrew's life hasn't changed that much. He continues doing what he's always done, except he doesn't allow himself to be seen in public for a while. And when he gets seen, they'll drag, drag Megan back into the news and change the conversation again. Oh, wow, it's a circle. It's a circle of bullshit. Just cycling, 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 cycling. And none of it matters. There are real things we could do, and this is what we're talking about instead. A right to protest got taken away. We're talking about Meghan Markle. Okay, it's a choice we can make. It doesn't seem like it has good long-term consequences. Not if you want to stay free and be able to choose what you want to say and what you want to do. The stupidity of the stupid is something that should never be understood or underestimated, it seems. So many distractions to keep us from seeing what is happening. I would also want to kill myself myself, if I were a part of the royal family. The queen fucked both of them out of their titles, and they still don't have the balls to get killed by the queen like Princess Diana. Spicy. Whenever they are asked about someone in particular, they only have nice things to say. Meaning Prince Harry and, Mac, and, and Meghan. Ex-Prince Harry. They, they get asked about, oh, oh, how was your father about it? Oh, he was very kind. Very kind. The kindest man I ever met. Never said a bad thing. He'd go out in the morning and milk the sheep. Or he'd kick the man who was supposed to milk the sheep. But the sheep got milked. And we had a good life. For a while. Been watching too much Braveheart. That is not the. Uh, that's not their accent. I can only do accents I'm not trying to do. But I have to aim in the same region. Um, even Boris Johnson wouldn't say anything about the Oprah interview. Because he knows what we all know. The queen lives off the blood of people who hold the mirror up to the hypocrisy of her existence as the queen. If there were five less words in that, that would be funny. It's too many words. Um, Meghan Markle split down party lines now, like everything else is. Fox News calls her a liar and a fraud. But again, it, it, it just proves to exist that every issue has to keep us divided. Except for coronavirus. Can't be divided on that. It's evil and it's bad. And we, we can't gather in public. You're right. It's for our own good. <laughs> Thank you, daddy government, for trying to save me. Wow. Best or worst. That's how I like to live my life. Outside of supporting a war in Afghanistan and Iraq, I don't remember the last thing that people on both sides of the aisle agreed on. They've never met a war they didn't like, including the war against us. 
Um, I talked about that already. <laughs> All right. Spicy. It's hard in a relationship to not get in little nitpark, nitpick arguments with each other. Because teasing each other is fun most of the time. It's my favorite. Especially when she's been giving you shit about the state of your apartment being a war zone, and then you go to her place to find the melted-down reactor from the Chernobyl disaster inside of her bathroom. The elephant's foot, is I believe it's officially referred to. It's tough to be the bigger person in moments like those. To be humble and not stomping around, pointing out what a filth monster she is. By the grace of God, I haven't even brought it up to her yet. I haven't mentioned her hypocrisy to a single person. It's no one besides no one's business besides ours, and besides why start an argument when you know in your heart that you are right. I'm joking around, obviously. But when America was still a free country, one of my favorite things to do in the summer was to hop on an Amtrak train from downtown Chicago to Milwaukee so I could go and watch the Cubs destroy the Brewers up there at Wrigley North. The first time I did that, I got to the station too early and got to watch a couple in their 60s get progressively shittier to each other. Over a fight about a McDonald's sandwich. This is a true story. It got to the point where the husband wouldn't even sit on the same side of the room as the wife until they both had to stand up to get on the train. This happened two years ago. And I, they were both being so stupid I still haven't been able to get it out of my mind. Because they picked a fight over a $3 sandwich. And then they had to ride an hour and a half on a train in seats next to each other. And then they had to go home and wait for the other person to die. And I thought, you know, maybe a person could do something better with their time than hold a grudge like that. But now that I'm in a relationship, I can't prove what that argument was actually about. Maybe they had to take the train back because she crashed her car into an orphanage. Or she ran their children over in the driveway. There is no way of knowing how big of a hypocrite she had been. But after this week, I've decided that it's not my place to judge. Oh, this episode really flew by. Um, in honor of St. Patrick's Day, I'm going to end with one of my favorite Irish poems. And it's one that seems to mean more to me every year. I read this for the first time when I was 20 years old at Waldorf College, randomly. Um, anyway, that's a boring story. But I, this is one of those things I read every five years. It's a thing I read once every five years. And every time, the poem's the same, but I'm a different person. So I wanted to share it. Digging by Seamus Henley. My favorite Irish poem. Between my finger and my thumb, the squat pen rests, snug as a gun. Under my window, a clean rasping sound. When the spade sinks into gravelly ground, my father, digging, I look down. Till a straining rump 
among the flower beds, bends low, comes up twenty years away, stooping in rhythm through potato drills, where he was digging. The coarse boot nestled on the lug, the shaft. Against the inside knee was levered firmly. He rooted out tall tops, buried the bright edge deep, to scatter new potatoes that we picked, loving their cool hardness in our hands. By God, the old man could handle a spade, just like his old man. My grandfather cut more turf in a day than any man on Toner's Bog. Once, I carried him milk in a bottle, corked sloppily with paper. He straightened up to drink it, then fell to right away, nicking and slicing neatly, heaving sods. Over his shoulder, going down and down for the good turf, digging. The cold smell of potato mold the squelch and slap of soggy peat, the curt cuts of an edge, through living roots awakened in my head. But I've no spade to follow men like them. Between my finger and my thumb, the squat pen rests. I'll dig with it. Drive fast and take chances. Have a great week.